Hi, I'm John Atak. I'm Ursula Wake. And this is Lyrical Wax. And today our theme is autumn. And a little bit late, possibly, but um, yeah. you know, we've just experienced it. <laughs> and we have um, quite a variety of, of pieces, um, including Perminch by mm. Ursula and one by me. So mm -hmm. we're going to start with Ursula. Yeah. So this is a poem written by me called The Waiting Season. My thoughts are full of dry caves, burrows, holes in trees, as an English Midlands winter sinks into its wet grey nothingness. My menagerie character is dormant now, reduced to necessities, anything superfluous discarded like the year's leaves. In a confusing mufflement I feel I am a squirrel being cuddled by a bear, being also the bear. I slip peacefully under my duvet, life curls up its layers around me, everything is simplified. I begin my season lived by the flickering light of a box set. For ten months of any twelve I have a puppy curiosity that scampers ahead, truffles behind and rarely comes when called. It's snoozing like an old mutt now, feeling the damp in the joints of its questions. A stray query dodders around. At lower latitudes, Cairo, Lima, Saigon, does this human hibernation read like mental illness? Who knows? I'm here at latitude 50-something, and it's winter. Any draw towards conclusions is just, just out of reach. I can see it, though, over there, where it's spring. Um, my mum used to, to quote this uh, poem. This is um, oh, yes. from John Keats, a um, remarkable uh, poet of the early 19th century. Mm -hmm. And he lived to be 25 years old, and mm -hmm. the end of his life, one of the last things he said was that he'd achieved nothing. And oh, yet here we are, all these years yeah. later, still reciting his poetry. Um, this poem is called To Autumn. Season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. Close bosom friend of the maturing sun, conspiring with him how to load and bless with fruit the vines that round the thatch eaves run to bend with apples the mossed cottage trees and fill all fruit with ripeness to the core, to swell the gourd and plump the hazel shells with a sweet kernel, to set budding more and still more later flowers for the bees until they think warm days will never cease, for summer has o'erbrimmed their clammy cells. Who hath not seen thee oft Amid thy store, sometimes whoever seeks abroad may find thee sitting careless on a granary floor. Thy hair soft lifted by the winnowing wind, or on a half-reaped furrow sound asleep, drowsed with the fume of poppies, while thy hook spares the next swathe and all its twined flowers, and sometimes like a gleaner thou dost keep. Steady thy laden head across a brook, or by a cider press with patient look, thou watchest the last oozings hours by hours. 
Where are the songs of spring? Aye, where are they? Think not of them. Thou hast thy music too. While barred clouds bloom the soft dying day and touch the stubble plains with rosy hue. Then, in a wailful choir, the small gnats mourn among the river sallows, borne aloft, or sinking as the light wind lives or dies, and full-grown lambs loud bleat from hilly bourne, hedge crickets sing, and now with treble soft the red breast whistles from a garden croft, and gathering swallows twitter in the skies. Really, that's a classic evocation of a of autumn in a temperate climate, mm. isn't it? It is indeed. And it's lovely because in some ways, when I um, first came across it at school, and lots of people have, let's face it, um, I liked some of it and then sort of, oh, it kind of goes on and on a bit, oh, all right. But actually just letting those images just wash over you and just having those sort of one image after another of different things and very much in a temperate climate it it is you know it's um it's not a description of lots of parts of the world but mm. certainly where we live it's very recognizable isn't it absolutely it is yeah and it's the absolute classic this is um a very different one we've wanted to have sort of real variety of um of approaches to any theme that we choose and certainly with autumn there's so many poems written about it we could have had 12 poems about leaves um, and autumn leaves are well worth writing about and we will come across them later um, more than once but there's other things going on in autumn as well this one um, is called The New Term it's by Carolyn Alton so the new term, the new school year, starting in autumn. I suppose it would have been dusk, the car they were getting back into, facing in the wrong direction. The girl with her arm wrapped round me like a ribbon, a comfort to my parents, at least. When she leaned in close and smiled to tell me what would happen once they'd left. She'd got it wrong for once. She didn't know that trees were places to read letters, hide invisible friends in, that the forest, as per the book, was indeed my kingdom. She said they'd make me climb the tallest pine and leave me there all night. It must have been one in the eye for her when I agreed. Okay, this is um, Atelier Bertolucci. Um whose dates are 1911 to 2000, and I've never heard of him before. Mm, I really enjoy him. Yeah, um, so thank you for bringing him to the table. I have heard of the film director called Bertolucci, but um, it's not the same place. <laughs> what can I say? This is called The Years. The mornings of our lost years, the tables in the sunny autumn shade, the friends who went and then returned, the friends who will never return again, I thought of them with joy, because this September day is shining so beguilingly into windows of shops in hours, like those of then, those of then, are gliding by at a peaceful tempo now. The crowd is the same on golden pavements, 
Only the grey and lilac are changed by fashion into green and red. The pace is slow and easy, that of the provinces. I like that sort of um, that evocation of September and autumn, and there's so much sort of wistfulness that's and memory that seems to be evoked by autumn. But that's not remotely um, downbeat. It's it's a pleasurable letting something, letting some memories kind of come and go, and they're really pleasurable. And it's not about you know it's all ending now. Yeah, and it's a celebration of, of <clears throat> what has been rather than yeah. mourning for what yeah, is lost. Absolutely. Um something very different again. This is um the lyrics from a song by the White Stripes called Little Acorns. And um it's divided into two bits. So the first bit um is a um could be spoken by um, a TV preacher or somebody like that. Um, and then there's the other part as well. A televangelist, a TV preacher. Right, okay. Little acorns. When problems overwhelm us and sadness smothers us, where do we find the will and the courage to continue? Will the answer may come in the caring voice of a friend, a chance encounter with a book? or from a personal faith. For Janet, help came from her faith, but it also came from a squirrel. Shortly after her divorce, Janet lost her father, then she lost her job, she had mounting money problems. But Janet not only survived, she worked her way out of despondency, and now she says life is good again. How could this happen? She told me that late one autumn day, when she was at her lowest, she watched a squirrel, storing up nuts for the winter. One at a time, he would take them to the nest. And she thought, if that squirrel can take care of himself with a harsh winter coming on, so can I. Once I broke my problems into small pieces, I was able to carry them, just like those acorns, one at a time. Take all your problems and rip them apart. Carry them off in a shopping cart. Another thing you should have known from the start, the problems in hand are lighter than at heart. Be like the squirrel, girl. Be like the squirrel. Give it a whirl, girl. Be like the squirrel. And another thing you have to know in this world, cut up your hair, straighten your curls, while your problems hide in your curls. So that's a very different approach to um, autumn things, acorns and squirrels. Yeah. I like I, what I really like about that. There's one line that I think is, is clever. So it's all kind of about, yeah, you, that sensible thing. You break down your problems into small things. Very valid. It's got a, there's a place for that without a doubt. But that line, another thing you should have known from the start, the problems in hand are lighter than at heart. So you can do that, but there are some things how do you break down that problem of huge overwhelming emotions sometimes and also I'll quite like the issue at the, the end um, straighten, straightening your curls your problems hide in your curls so you should straighten them and I like to me there's a real um, it, you can look at it both ways that either um, this is 
some bizarre solution to a problem, but also, actually, does anybody want, speaking as somebody with rather unruly hair, does anybody want to straighten their curls if they have curls? Um, so actually, maybe this is taking a rather cynical look at this approach of breaking things down. Oh, you know, you've got to make everything nice and straight and neat and then you won't have any problems. And I think there's a bit of cynicism in there. There's also a possible side reference about straightening curls, which refers to the black population of, of the US and mm. the long period through which black people were actually ironing their hair yeah. to straighten out their problems. And as you say, it, it does get a little extreme at that yeah. point. Yeah, and, and absolutely. absolutely unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, what was the line about heart? The, the problems in hand are lighter than at heart. Because that, that seems to me that, that when you face problems, it's often easier to resolve them mm. when you get down to it than all of the worrying you've done and mm. all of the amplification of the problem. That's, yeah. that's certainly where I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, wonderful. Um, this is a poem called New Fruit by Anne Drysdale. It's from a little collection called Ten Poems About Gardens. Um, Published by Candlestick Press. They, Candlestick Press do um, a lot of, they're a local, local to us, they do a lot of booklets like this, um, ten poems on a particular theme. Yeah, yeah they're great. And uh, New Fruit, Anne Drysdale. In the last knockings of the evening sun, Eve drinks Calvados. Elsewhere in her life, she has played muse and mistress, bitch and wife. Now all that gunpoint gamesmanship is done. She loves the garden at this time of day. Raising her third glass up to God, she grins. If this is her comeuppance for her sins, it's worth a little angst along the way. A fourth... Again the cork's slow, squeaky kiss. If, as the liquor tempts her to believe, the Lord has one more Adam up his sleeve, he's going to have to take her as she is, out in the garden in a dressing gown, breathing old apples as the sun goes down. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love the, the cork's slow, squeaky kiss. Yeah. And and the reference, of course, Calvados is an apple brandy, so mm. the, the reference to Adam is, is contained in that. Yeah, yeah. This next one is um, my favourite poem by a... Not my favourite poem, full stop. I'll start that again. My favourite poem, semicolon. <laughs> <laughs> my favourite poem, Exclamation dash. mark. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this next poem is my favourite poem of Sylvia Plath's poetry. Um, I think it's I think it's wonderful, and it fits here because it's about mushrooms. Mushrooms. Overnight, very whitely, discreetly, very quietly, our toes, our noses take hold on the loam, acquire the air. Nobody sees us, stops us, betrays us. The small grains make room. Soft fists insist on heaving the needles, the leafy bedding, even the paving. Our hammers, our rams, earless and eyeless, perfectly voiceless, widen the crannies. 
shoulder through holes. We diet on water, on crumbs of shadow, bland-mannered, asking little or nothing. So many of us. So many of us. We are shelves, we are tables, we are meek, we are edible. Nudges and shovers in spite of ourselves. Our kind multiplies. We shall by morning inherit the earth. Our foot's in the door. I just love that. Mm. It covers everything about mushrooms. What is there that she leaves unsaid about mushrooms? Mm. And, and bearing in mind that the largest living organism in the world mm. is, in fact, the fungus. Uh, mm. Only fungus which crosses three states in the US, a mm. single living entity. Mm. So, but also, I mean, they... Every no stopping them. There's no stopping them, and there's there's more fungi than anything else in the world. And, and um, I think bacteria do pretty well, actually. But yeah, yeah. I think I think that yeah, who'd win in a fight? Who'd um, win in a in one of those contests? Let's let's are put that more, on. We'll do our next yeah. show. It will be a battle. Are between. there more fungi in the world or bacteria? Who's mm. right? What um, do you think, Sam? More fungi or more bacteria? Species or mass? Oh, mm. oh! Yeah. I think it's bacteria. Yeah. I think okay. So, right. I'm outnumbered at the moment. That's yeah, okay. That's the democratic, true scientific truth. There, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Where's the cat? What does the cat think? <laughs> you think Lucy, Lucy's asleep. Actually, she couldn't care less. But um, yeah. So the the, the bit about that's really remarkable about mushroom one of the really remarkable about things is that strength they have that they they you can act they can actually lift paving stones mm. just by growing and yet there is that they're meat bland mannered i think is a, a great description and we so know much. them only from their fruit we know them only mm. from the mushrooms rather than the mycelium which is the actual organism yeah. creeping about yeah. and it can be all the way under your garden a single mycelium popping up little fruits here and there, which, which are the mushrooms, yeah. but they're little mm. spores. And it's a quite separate form of life mm. from uh, bacteria. And thus they're now actually suggesting that viruses might be alive. This is, this is a new thought. Ah. Yeah. But yes, they are. A, it's not animal, vegetable or mineral. No. Fungi is it's a weird. King, kingdom of its own. Yeah. yeah. And then the archaea, of course, but we don't, we don't talk about them. Um, <clears throat> Over to you, John, for the next poem. This is quite short. Um, um, Samuel Menashe mm -hmm. uh, lived from 1925 to 2011 in New York, it says in your note. Yes. Yeah. Um, so good for him. It's called The Bear Tree. <laughs> My mother once said to me, when one sees the tree in leaf, one thinks the beauty of the tree is in its leaves. And then one sees the bear tree. Love that. Succinct. Yeah. Or succinct, as some people say. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> choice that. He he wrote a lot of. He was a he's a really interesting person, Samuel Menashe. Look him up. So, Russian Jewish immigrant to America. Um, where then he did he did a PhD at the Sorbonne. So he wrote a PhD in French. As we all do, of course. Yeah. Um, and. Wrote a lot of poetry, a lot of it's very short, and was, um, I think it was 2004, he was sort of a, 
awarded, given an award of neglected masters of poetry. His PhD was on, on the poetic experience. Yeah, but in so, French. But in French, so not accessible to everybody. But yeah, I think he's a really interesting character. Mm. Yep. So, yeah, I'm sitting back as though you're going to read one, but no, it's over to no, me. back to work for you. Yeah. So this is um, a poem called All Hallows. So All Hallows is the day after Halloween. Um, yeah, so I think, is it called Halloween in most Anglophone places? This is the 1st of November anyway, the day but after the 31st of October. All, all Saints Day, All Hallows. Yeah. And um, so the evening before is yeah, I was just wondering Hallow the Hallows Een. I understand. Is, yeah. I was just wondering. So I'm saying in probably in most European languages because it's a Christian festival. It is yeah. uh, something of that type, All Saints mm. Day and the mm. evening before, mm. which is when all the bad things and evil things come out for the last time before the saints come and mm. go marching in and drive them away. So um, this poem is by um, an English poet called Jacob Polly, um, who I really like. I only discovered him about a year ago, saw him doing a performance absolutely remarkable performer very hard to describe but remarkable um, and he writes very often about life in the rural part of England where he's from and so this is called All Hallows and it's um, about local life morning breaks like an egg or a promise and the gulls fall about laughing. The skulls you lugged home from the farmer's oddest field, a candle cooked, as if one black thought had burnt itself out. And the sheets are back on the beds, their eye sockets sewn up. The masks lie knocked off. So return your warts to the cereal box and observe the single brown bite in the apple still nodding in the washing up bowl. You've held a torch beneath your chin and your face has stuttered through your hidden selves on its cylinder of bone. Now you're wondering which look you slept on, which you woke with, or if your face has come to rest between two looks on emptiness. Mm. I was a bit confused by returning the warts to the cereal bowl. Cereal box. Box. So why would we be doing that? <laughs> and why were they in there in the first place? <laughs> Use, using like rice krispers or something oh, for okay. warts to go out, trick or treating. Just so, which surely we've all done that. <laughs> Never been trick or treating, actually. There you go. Wow. Strange American habits, as far as I'm concerned. I, ah, now a yeah. Northern Irish friend of mine says that they, it's Northern Irish, then it went over to the States mm. and then came back. Mm. So actually it's it's not just, um, mm. you know, it's travelled around more than that. Yep, it started in Britain. Yeah. So it, because with us, of course, it conflicts with our um, celebration of the failure to ki kill the king you know, on November the 5th, 1605. So our, mm. our festival tends to be bonfire night at that time and the American... Halloween came back in, mm. um, but as you say, it, its origins in Northern Ireland, um, where well, you'd have cool. thought they'd have been a lot more concerned about the, the killing of a of a king who had mm. 
only recently. But there you go. There you go. I've only got one friend to uh, base it on. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good enough. What are friends for? Um, this is a poem by Emily Bronte, one of the astonishingly influential and fascinating members of the Bronte family, uh, who had a tremendous influence on literature, um, both as novelists and as poets. And the poem is called Fall Leaves Fall. Fall leaves fall, die flowers away, lengthen night and shorten day. Every leaf speaks bliss to me, fluttering from the autumn tree. I shall smile when wreaths of snow blossom where the rose should grow. I shall sing when night's decay ushers in a drearier day. I like the fact that she she's clearly enjoying autumn and looking forward to winter. It's, yeah, and she's going to sing anyway. Yeah, Good yeah. She's not bothered about waiting for spring or mourning it. Yeah. Why should we be, especially those of us who have central heating? <laughs> don't have sure, to work don't outdoors. imagine the Brontes did. That would be quite remarkable, wouldn't it? Um, I'm oh, you need waiting, motioning for a book to be handed book. over Give to me. Having to share it. This is how cheap this all is. We have to do <laughs> no expense spared. <laughs> this poem is called um, "Out in the Garden." It's by Catherine Mansfield, who was more famous for her um, short stories, really, than her poetry. So we got a New Zealander in. And let, let's point out that Catherine Mansfield changed her name from Kathleen to Catherine. All right. Okay. Yep. But I, I consider her one of the great story writers. Mm, Phenomenal. She's fantastic, isn't she? But anyway, I'm going to read one of her poems. Virginia Woolf said she smelled like a civet cat. <laughs> Maybe she puts on too much perfume, and I'm a bit snobby about that. <laughs> Bless them. Out in the garden. Out in the garden, out in the windy, swinging dark, under the trees and over the flower beds, over the grass and under the hedge border, someone is sweeping, sweeping, some old gardener, out in the windy swinging dark, someone is secretly putting in order, someone is creeping, creeping. I like that. I do too. Um, as a young man, and I was once a young man, um, I had the great good fortune to know a painter called William Gear, um, who had paintings in, I think he told me, 25 national collections around the world. So he was quite well known. Uh, but he was known for a period in the late 40s. And his first question to me when we first met was, did I paint according to the seasons? And he was very pleased when I said, yes, I do. And he, and he said, and do you garden? And I said, yes, I do. So, so we became fast friends. And he had four palettes. You know, mm. I've never regimented it down to that, but it is true that in the autumn you, you start thinking about colour in, in a different way. And as a painter, it's really the most exciting time of the year. So he had, so the link between painting and gardening was that he had a different palette for each season. Is and that he would idea? observe it yeah. from his own garden by going out mm. there and, and mm. seeing this. And uh, he made wonder, really wonderful yeah. paintings. Yeah. But they're, you know, the spring colours, the, the fresh greens and blues mm. and violets, and then the summer, which settles down into the, the centre of the spectrum. And then the um, 
red, you know, the crimsons, the colours mm. we're going to hear about here. I in fact, we're going to hear, yeah. Uh, if we're lucky. <laughs> and then, you know, the more grey, black and white winter mm. violet. Mm. He's a lovely bloke. Um, so I, <laughs> knowing that we were going to do this and, and realising I might have to trawl through the thousands of poems I've written, to try and find something, I thought, well, the best thing to do is to write something. So this was written on the 5th of November, which is, what, three days ago or something? Two days ago? Just to cram it in there. <sighs> to have something to say. Summer green burnishes to gold, takes our breath, with magentas and purples, crimsons and sunset oranges, the bright exhilaration of life fulfilled, spindle, linden, maple and plum, each blush their finale. To welcome winter's sleep, await rebirth. Mm. There we go. Um, and we've somehow managed to, to come to the end. Um, <laughs> and uh, you were going to mention a, a bonus episode, which mm. was about a poem that we didn't, in fact, read during. Indeed, <laughs> yes, that's right. So there will be a bonus um, episode linked to this which will be me reading um, something in French um, so the very famous song Autumn Leaves came to my mind when we were sort of putting together things for this and I was thinking oh we could have that and actually yeah it's nice but we've got quite a lot of fairly similar things but because it's been translated from the French I thought well let's have just the, the French mm. there'll be a bonus episode um linked to this which will be me reading um a French poem and the lyrics to a French song by Jacques Prévert um called Les Feuilles Mortes which is a beautiful song and was translated um, into English and became very famous in the English-speaking world as Autumn Leaves, covered by so many people. It's kind of part of the great songbook now. Um, and interesting thing about translating from one um, language to another, if it's poetry or song and there's things that rhyme and scan, is that you can't necessarily have a direct translation because the syllables of words in another language may not fit the tune. So the words in English are quite different and I think they're rather nice but we I felt like we'd kind of covered the concept of autumn leaves in what we wanted to do anyway. Um, but I will be reading the original French version of this um, song Les Feuilles Mortes um, in a bonus episode so that would be great if you should check that out sure. as well. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that title means the dead leaves. The dead yeah. leaves, yes. Yeah. Slightly yeah. different inference. Um, well, I'm John Atak. This has been Lyrical Wax. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for watching. Thanks for your time. I'm Ursula Wake. Goodbye. <laughs>